0: to improve on something that God's already done you know and he already made you he made you free and he whom the son sets free is free indeed today we're going to be continuing uh, talking about faith we talked about faith the first two Sundays of August and um, we talked about faith the word and faith and how faith comes by hearing and hearing the hearing the word of God the written word of God the the Word that God gives us as a rhema word by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We thank God for the Word. It's the foundation of everything that we build our life upon because Jesus was the Word made flesh. And so as we look at the Word of God, we consider it to be truth this morning. If you'll turn to Colossians 127, uh, the second Sunday that we preached, we shared on uh, mountain-moving faith. And today the message is hope of glory. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Now abide faith, hope, and love. On Wednesday night, we're going to share on love. Uh, The message will be, Love ensures our provision. And so you need to come on Wednesday night. That will be the last of the series on faith. And then, of course, Sarah and Caleb are next week here in the services. Um, Colossians 1, 27, and I'm actually going to read uh, 26. This is Paul teaching, and it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Now, if you took communion today and you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. Turn to your neighbor and say, hard to believe. (laughs) Maybe hard to believe by the person maybe you're sitting next to and maybe you know them, but that's what you're called and referred to in the Bible, saints. To them God willed to make known... He willed to make known. God is not trying to keep secrets. God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Everybody say, Christ in me. Christ in you, or me, the hope of of glory. I want Elizabeth um, to read this out of the Message Bible. And um, I, I have to say, she said, I'll read it out of my phone. <laughs> Isn't, aren't we living in a miraculous day? Hallelujah. I'll get my phone. My granddaughter one day, uh, I looked over and she had her phone out and was just going lickety-split down here, Rachel. And I thought, oh my goodness, she's texting. She said, no, Grandma, I'm following along in the Bible while you're preaching. I'm making notes. And she was. And uh Praise the Lord, I tell you, we are moving in a fast world. But it gets us all around the world to share Jesus, amen? So listen as she shares this, because the Message Bible puts things in a little different light, just very easy to understand. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. Therefore you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach in Christ. Oh, no. Yes. That's it. <laughs> that is the substance of our message. What is the substance of our message? Christ in us. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. That's what Calvary did. It took heaven and it put it inside every person. God said, I'm going to write the laws in your heart. You're going to know it from the inside out. And I don't know about you, but every time uh, I think about that, it's like, that's amazing that inside me lives the very spirit of a living God. I can know what God is thinking. You know, some people say, well, you never know what God is going to do. Well, that may be for an unbeliever, but every believer has the ability to know what God wants to do in their life. And this morning as we look at this, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's, that's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, I want to read to you what I felt the Holy Spirit quicken to me as I was praying for this message. When the enemy attacks your faith, he goes after your hope. Because without hope, faith has no substance and cannot prevail over the unseen. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, So the unseen has to be brought into the realm of the seen. Do you remember, Abraham, how it says that, it says even contrary to hope, he hoped. That's what it says in Romans chapter 4. Contrary to hope, what does that mean? Contrary to the hope that he could see in the world, he hoped and believed God for the impossible that he could not see. Now, God had shown him all the stars in the heavens and said, So shall your descendants be. But in the natural, he had no descendant. So hope is something that's critical to faith. And I believe the enemy continually, like this word says, he attacks our hope. And then our faith has nothing of substance to it because we start floundering in what God has said. And I want to today believe that in your life, uh, God is going to, just heal certain things in your life that your hope will always be steadfast that your hope will never be moved by what you see or what you feel or what you think so that your faith if you're the just and you live by faith and not by sight then your hope has to be a confident hope everybody say confident and I want, to, I want to read to you um, out of the, this is actually um, the Greek for hope, a sense of confident expectation based on solid certainty. What's the solid certainty? That the cross is empty, that the grave is empty, and that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. So everything that this says in the new covenant, everybody say new covenant, has been secured by Jesus Christ, it is done. The victory is ours by faith. We talked about that the last time. How do we overcome? By our faith, First John 5, 4. So as we look at this today, I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to know that God loves you, and he wants you to live with hope. The hope that he is in heaven ever living to make intercession for you. The hope that what he has promised in his word is your promise. It's not just Charlie's over there, or, you know, Aunt Sally's, it's yours. That's your hope. And so as we look at this, begin to let your heart and your mind rise up to receive what God is saying. In Romans twelve one and 2, and I've heard this scripture many times, my husband, for years. You know, I think he has a few, how many of you know people have a few scriptures that are just their scriptures? This is one my husband preached all the time. And uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, this is Romans twelve one. Brethren, by the mercies of God, and this applies to ladies too, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What sits between your ears has great control over your life. God did not want you to be mindless. But he did put his spirit on the inside of you to control that mind, to begin to rule and to reign over your mind, and and it says, you know, uh, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Why does it say that? So we recognize there's a force living in us that will rule us and guide us and lead us in every facet of our life and that the world and its system does not have control over us as a believer. There's something greater on the inside, but we have to yield to the greater. We can't just say, oh, it's greater. We have to yield to that greater voice or that spirit of god on the inside so it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of god i don't believe there's three wills i just believe those are adjectives that describe it the good and acceptable and perfect will of god is that we be transformed in our mind to think like god thinks turn to your neighbor and say that's amazing well, it does say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we have the mind of Christ. And sometimes it takes a while for his mind and his thoughts and his processes to overrule what we've already learned and, and the behavior we've learned. But in my Bible, I want to read a little something to you. It's, a, it's a, called Kingdom Dynamics in my Bible, but it talks about renewal of the mind. What does that mean? To renew is to renovate, implying a restoration to freshness or to an original state. Everybody say original state. The original state for every believer is Genesis, chapter 1, when God created them male and female, and he gave them dominion and told them to take dominion over the earth. That's the original state. Calvary put us in that position. Now, whether we're living it or not, is our choice. Everybody say choice. See, everything, Jesus, you didn't get the Holy Spirit part way. You got the whole enchilada. When you got the Holy Ghost, you didn't get an arm and a leg. You got the whole thing. Everything that is God is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, all of us have to yield, like I said earlier, to that influence and begin to receive what God says. I pray today you yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit because God is going to liberate you in an area of your life that I believe God showed me is the greatest hindrance of hope in people who know God, people who know God. And so as we look at this, I want you to hear this part. It says it intimates the potential of redemption's power to reinstate features of God's original intention for humanity and a recovery of many potentialities of the human mind and soul as designed before the fall. You know, people who've been on drugs and they say that drugs affect people's minds, when they receive Jesus and they begin to learn the Word of God, the Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll take their brain and heal it. You say, well, I know somebody didn't have... You really have to get the Word in there. You, you, you have to sow sow the Word that the Word overtakes every other thought process. Because this is what it goes on and it says. It says, the mind constitutes the intellect or understanding, but also includes all that is described in the word mindset. That is the feelings and the will. They're all combined in that process of the mind. Being transformed by the renewal of the mind indicates a literal change, listen to this, in the form and formulas of thought or being. This describes redemption's provision of power to instill godliness in us. You know, people work so hard to be godly, and all we have to do is memorize the word of God, hold it in our heart, and the word starts working. And it changes what we think. And this is the process that happens. First, our thoughts, which lead to formulating our purpose, which proceed to dictate our actions. And thus, our actions become character, determining habits, shaping the life, and setting the course for the future. It's a process. Oh, that's good. You need to shout hallelujah. I mean, that is good. Because this is the goodness of it. God is so generous that you can't do it, but he can. But you have to believe and and put that word in you to the point where that word overrides everything else you know. When Sharon began to sing over Billy Joe, his flesh had died. She continued to believe. And when she realized he's chosen to be with Jesus, she could rejoice. How did she do all of that? Because she did that out of her heart. She did that out of her hope. She did that out of her hope in God, not the hope that he lived. Did you hear me? Not the hope that the promise was fulfilled that she was believing for, but the hope that God was still on the throne and Jesus was still at the right hand of the Father. And the calling of God on her life was still there. And she said, the Lord said to her, set the ship upright, get it steadied and sail on. That's what he told her. She thought, I don't even know if I'm upright and steady. But she said, and she told me, I have to pray every Sunday. I'm still doing my notes over when I'm sitting on the front row. I said, I don't understand, sister. Been right there myself. Hallelujah. Sometimes we do things we don't know we could even do because of the hope of God on the inside of us, not because of us. And so when we get that hope in the right perspective, we can receive all that God has for us. Second Timothy eight and nine. I'd like you just to turn there. These scriptures will come up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you, but second Timothy. You know, Paul is teaching Timothy and he's talking to him about being strong in grace. In other words, once you start down this path, you cannot turn back. Once you start after Jesus, you stay with it. You have to keep going. And it says in verse 8, remember. Everybody say remember. That's what it says about communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Well, this is about him. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the gospel for which I suffered troubles and doer. In other words, Paul was accused of being off base how many of you as a Christian ever been accused of being a little you know whatever you want to call it well he was accused of that even to the point of chains in other words he got in serious trouble but this is amazing but the word of God is not chained whether you are in chains, whether you're in a hard place, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, if you're putting the Word of God in you, it is working mightily in you. And it is not changed. It is a living Word. It is a powerful Word. And it says that that Word sees everything that is in us. Everything, we can't hide anything. It goes on, that's what it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 4, that it, it, it's uh, 3, it's in us, it's hiding, in or 4, it's hiding in us, it's working in us, we don't always know it. And that's what I want to talk about today. The word of God that's hiding on the inside of you, that brings you into a position where God can help you. I want you to say this, hope does not disappoint. Now you may be sitting here and be one of the most disappointed people in your life. That, you know, you don't even know why you're disappointed, but God does. And that's why I believe right now, if we tune into the Holy Spirit and listen to his voice right now, you will be made free. Because God makes people free. And this is what it says, and I, and I want you to turn to uh, Romans chapter 5. Now, we've talked, uh, Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How does faith come? Faith comes by Hearing the word of God. Hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Let's look at Romans 5. And I'm going to read from the beginning of 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by. Justified by. But faith is based on hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, therefore, having been justified by faith, which is the substance of things hoped for hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through which also we have access by, into, say that again, we have access by, into, in which we stand and rejoice in, rejoice in, hope hope of of the glory of God. Amen. Amen? And then it says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character. Isn't that something? How many of you thought your tribulation was going to cause you to have hope? (laughs) See, the devil's intention is that your tribulation caused you to be hopeless. But God intends... That when the devil comes and puts a situation in front of us, that in that situation, we are going to find God to be everything he said he was. And when we find him to be everything he was, then our hope rises up out of that. So if you're in that situation today, begin to see what it is, what is it? What is God doing? What, what is God going to use this thing? He says he works all things together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And we're all called according to a purpose. We have a purpose in God. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we always have hope. We can always have hope. We can always stand firm on that hope. It says, Abraham, I said earlier, contrary to hope, believed in hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that may sound like a silly statement, but when you understand the essence of hope, then you understand that it's going to be contrary to the world's hope. You know, the world's hope is in a job, the world's hope is in, you know, marriages fail because people's hopes in their mate. You know, that's, that's not who our hope is in. I love my husband, and he will always help me. But there are times, believe it or not, when Pastor Bill does not know what to do. Now, that makes me a little nervous. However, there's still a God. Hallelujah. There is still hope. There's still an opportunity for God to rescue me, even if Pastor Bill doesn't know what to do. But that's the way we have to live our life. Our life is contained in Jesus Christ and in the hope of glory that he is with us. He will always take care of us. So hope is very important. Now, I want you to look at 1 John 3, 21, and I want to share with you today uh, a lesson that I learned years ago when I was a single parent. Uh, you know, if, you, if you've if you ever uh, shipwrecked your life by your own choices and probably you know, maybe you've never done that, but I certainly did when I was 28 and ended up divorced. And and uh, thought I thought I had a better way and a better idea. And somebody passed that law that said, you know, you can get a divorce just because you want one, and uh, no fault is called no fault. There's no divorce that hasn't got fault in it. If there weren't fault, there wouldn't be a divorce. Hallelujah, or whatever else. And so I'm not picking on divorce today. I'm just sharing my my testimony a little bit. But I, I just um, you know, I thought I had a better way, and I wasn't walking with God. You know, I was playing the organ in the church, doing choirs, but I wasn't walking with God. And uh, this is what it says, and this, this scripture became so real to me when God healed my life. I went from that situation, uh, decided to get married again, thought that would be the answer. That whole thing just destroyed everything I touched. Every, everywhere, I said I was uh, on, a, on a roll of stupid, I heard Pastor Billy Joe say that once. You know, I just got on a roll of stupid, and I stayed stupid. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you'll get on a roll of stupid, and you won't know you're stupid. And then you get Jesus, and you find out you're stupid, but sometimes you stay stupid for a while. And so I was stupid before, stupid after, and then God got a hold of me and jerked the stupid out of me. Thank you, Jesus. I guess that's how it went. That's just putting it in real language, praise the Lord. My husband's over there saying every now and then I do still do that. But. Okay, let's look at 1 John verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And I want to talk today about that very thing. And I feel like God showed me that a Christian oftentimes, doesn't let God heal us because we don't want to admit that we're wrong or we failed. I didn't want to... I had a dream about myself as a young person that I'd get married, have kids. I would be the best wife and the best mom. And, you know, I went to work so so the children's father could go to college. I just had these big dreams, nice house. I had all those dreams. And when that all crashed... Then I felt really bad about myself. I mean, when I started through it, I thought I was really, I mean, I have got it. I'm moving on with life. I know what I'm doing. And then I got on the other side of that. And then I realized this is not what I thought. So I got married again. Wrong answer. Did that. Got involved in another relationship. I forgot about that divorce. Got married right away. Found out, no, this isn't it either. Got saved. Still made some mistakes. Finally got alone with God. But my heart condemned me. I go to church. I didn't care what they preached on. All I heard is divorce is sin. Divorce is sin. Divorce is. Sin. They could preach for 20 minutes and that's all I heard. Because God said to me, divorce is sin. Stop trying to say it's not sin and admit to your fault and you can be free. It is sin. It is sin. Now, people think, oh, I don't want to sin. Well, you have to acknowledge sin is sin to be set free from sin. And so what my heart did was convict me. And God said to me, the heart of a believer can never be condemned. Let me tell you why. There is therefore now no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, to those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is great conviction. And until you deal with that conviction then there will never be freedom. And somewhere down the road, there will be great disappointment. may not happen that day, but there will be great disappointment because what God showed me was right before I went to Tulsa, I I woke up in the morning about 4 o'clock, and I was getting ready to go away, and I didn't want to be awake at 4. I was awake from 4 to 5, and God spoke to me directly about this issue and showed me my life. And he said, me being disappointed with me is the most destructive disappointment of all. And maybe that's you today. You're in this room. I'm believing the Holy Spirit will show you. And that kind of conviction is a good conviction. Because that's God saying, I want to rescue you from yourself. I want to rescue you from that. I want to pull you out of that place. And I want to set you upright. And I want you to go down the right road. Because if you don't, there's destruction. Truly, he said, there's destruction when we cannot let God into the very core of our being To say, I am disappointed with me. I don't even know why I did it. Now, you may have never got stuck on stupid. That was it. (laughs) Stuck on stupid. That's what I got. Not on a roll. I did that too. But I was stuck on stupid. And you could be stuck on stupid. You know what stupid is? You do not have a revelation of what's happening to you that can set you free. Nothing wrong with saying that. See, we've got to stop playing church and pretending like everything's all right. People get stuck on stupid. Somebody's got to help them get out of that place. And a lot of people understand stuck on stupid. If I say, you sinner, they're they're like, stuck on stupid? Oh, yeah, I've been there. Well, stuck on stupid is usually in sin. And sin is the wages of sin are death. Now, let me tell you i was in tulsa i was at a lady's house this is just how god confirms messages i was sitting there listening to her she's a great friend funny lady we were having breakfast and she started telling me the story about her grandson and I'll, I'll go quickly for for the time's sake but she she said her little grandson um came it comes over to her house he just loves jesus but this one day her daughter-in-law was telling her the story she has a, a great son who's a friend of our sons and uh and he he's He's just a big old guy, and he wanted to go somewhere with his wife on Saturday. And she said, i got to study my lesson for the children. She taught children at church. He said, oh, honey, he said, I don't think they even listen to you. I've been in there. And, you know, I just think, you know, they seem to be playing. They don't even pay attention to what you're saying. And she said, well, maybe not, but I I just have to get my lesson. I I, want to get my lesson, and I want to know. I'm praying about how to say it. He said, okay. So she went to church, taught her lesson came home and they were sitting at the table and she taught the children that morning on when your heart hurts. Now seriously, listen up. Here we go. When your heart hurts. And you may be here today, your heart hurts. There's a reason. Jesus is trying to do something. Your heart hurting is something's not right if you're a believer and God wants in there. And and she taught them, when you do something wrong, your heart will hurt. That's how she told the little children. And you have to ask God to forgive you because then your heart will stop hurting. So that day they went home for lunch. They're sitting at the table. And she said to her little boy, who was about seven, hey, that picture on the fridge, you never finished that for for mommy. Maybe you could finish that for me. And she said, that's all she said. And her little seven-year-old started sobbing at the table, just sobbing. And her husband said, what'd you, what'd you do? What, what'd you say? <laughs> you know, what'd you do? Did you look at him or something? And she said, I don't know. So she took him out back to their bedroom, sat down and said, what, what, why are you sobbing? I mean, what's the problem? And he goes, my heart is hurting. My heart is hurting. And he just sobbed. Well, she said, you know, wh- why is your heart hurting? He said, well, That picture that's on the refrigerator, I was doing that with a marker. And uh, I was on the school bus, and this little girl, she she dropped the marker on the school bus. And it was so pretty. And I really wanted it. So I took it, and I didn't tell her that I had her marker. And then when I went to do the picture, I couldn't finish the picture because my heart hurts because I did that. And he said, then she said he got real scary. He said, I, I know I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be in trouble. I, I know I am because I did this. And his dad came in. And he said, no, you're not going to be in trouble. You're not. There's the discipline isn't necessary because you know. You understand. So there's no need for discipline. Lance is a discipline principal at Harrison. I'm going to believe all their hearts will hurt, and they'll come tell you why. <laughs> I am in Jesus name <laughs> because anybody who's acting up good knowing the Lord or not their heart's hurting our heart hurt till we had Jesus but our heart can hurt after if we step out of bounds and that's not condemnation folks that's conviction and they were able to pray with him but, but his dad said you will have to take the marker and give it back to the little girl so that the lesson was complete I say to you today, you may be here and your heart is hurting. Will you bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for everything. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, If you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.